Hello everyone and welcome back again to the Football Index podcast and I'm rejoined by you know someone who's been on Football Index Twitter for for an age he's written for Football Index themselves and he's a you know a great stat man on the on Football Index Twitter and that is Football Index LM better known as Liam Liam how you doing mate Ah uh, yeah I'm good I'm glad to be back yeah it's uh, nice to be on again it's been a while yeah, I think you came on episode 14 and it was a pretty good one. So uh, how, how about we try and better that one this time? Yeah, yeah, I'm up for that. I mean, I've I've heard you got a lot more listeners now as well. So we've got more people to be trying to uh, you know impress or whatever. So that's, that's cool. Yeah, I'm up, <laughs> well, I'm up for that. Well, I'm sure that's all down to, to the guests I get on really, isn't it? And I like to think so, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah, so we'll get straight into it, really. And the first thing I want to speak about is European competitions and, you know, the Europa League and the Champions League and how they've kind of finally lived up to the hype that traders were speculating on, really, on Twitter that, you know, this player in, in a smaller pool is going to be worth a lot more than X player who's not in the Champions League or Europa League at all. And I think that's actually come to prominence now. So do you want to give us a little overview of what your thoughts were before the knockout rounds or quarterfinals, semifinals, and, and what your thoughts are now since they've actually, you know, materialised? Yeah, I mean, I think, like you say, originally everyone got really excited, of course, when it was announced, but then they kind of realised they had to wait a little bit, you know. We had to, like you said, we've only finally now uh, reaping the rewards of this kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, I think early on, you know, it was a bit of luck. I think we got a few um, decent winners still. But I think now they've really come into play. Uh, I think they've definitely, um, now the PB pools have been shrunk, I think that, you know, you've got these big players and they're finally having the chance to live up to it. They're finally a lot of them pulling in the dividends. And because there's only the, the few of them left as well to be able to buy, I think it's kind of not only shrinking those who are going to win dividends, but it's shrinking the attractive options for traders at this time, trying to look for someone to buy as well. Yeah, I think it was kind of a win-win because at the start, especially in the Europa League, you had a plethora of players that you could buy for you know the, the 60p to £1.50 range who could explode if they did really well. I remember a few sporting players rising pretty well more recently, some uh, Salzburg players because they've, they've overachieved greatly. So there's been that opportunity to buy players for, for really pennies like and, and sell them for a, for a great return on investment. But also, those players have actually had a really good chance to, to win some dividends. And on the other side, you've had players like you know the Ronaldo those Messi's, the the Dybala's against Tottenham, of course. Um, you know Higuain uh, and, and other strikers who have who have reaped the the rewards of these smaller pools, which I think has has been good for traders at the low end who are working with a hundred pounds, you know, five hundred pounds, a thousand pounds, even a tenner, and those who are working with you know the the, the five figure portfolios, which is which is really great for the index overall, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. Like you say, you know, even the defenders as well. Now that they're um, they've been brought down, so there's only so many of them left. I mean, there's a lot of them just seeing rises. Maybe they're not even going to win anything, but the likes of the Atletico back four, you could have picked them up in eighties, seventy p's. You know, the last few weeks, and then now everyone seems to be above a pound now. So, yeah, definitely. I think you can have the. It's been very rewarding for both sides of it. For like you say, the high investment and the the low ones as well so if you can balance it out if you've got a big portfolio i think it's been it's been very good for most people involved you you mentioned the atletico back four and i think that 
that is something that's really interested me because we don't really have enough data to know who are the best best defenders in those kind of teams where they don't have a lot of possession um they they are playing on the counter-attack quite a lot and they do defend like their lives depend on it because of Simeone and we've seen that that their scores have kind of reflected that they've been all over the place um you've got Lucas Hernandez uh Savage Godin uh Vasako uh Felipe Luiz is injured obviously all these guys who who could return dividends but at the moment it seems like traders and this reflects on the price don't really know who who's kind of the best for PB out of those players just because we don't have enough data I think especially in the European com- competitions because as as we've kind of seen the European competitions when it comes to PB the scores are quite varied compared to you know their league games so it's quite interesting to me to see that you know because we're in the beginnings of pb still really we're only a season in after this finishes we still don't know who are the best guys especially when it comes to defenders like when they don't have a lot of possession who's going to be most likely to win i don't know if you agree with that as well yeah, I mean, Atletico definitely is a very good, bit extreme example, like you say, especially with the um, the last the few injuries they've had. Like some of the back four haven't really played much, but now they've come in and they've got a game in the Europa League. So, yeah, I agree. I think a lot of that, though, again, it comes back to the um, the fact that it's not just the dividend pools that have, have been shrunk. It's the people who have options to buy and people are just looking for, I want a defender that's going to be in the Europa League or, you know, that might make it to the final. I want to pick those up now and, and they're just going, okay, I'll have some of this. And, and you know, if you get to the final, they probably keep going up maybe. And they might not even win a dividend, but the cap appreciation is probably going to be enough to make it a decent, profitable trade. So... Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with all of that. I think it makes sense for us to also talk about the Europa League and the Champions League and the, and the kind of difference between them. Because I think I told a lot of traders who, who were asking me for advice that I actually thought that the Europa League would be a, a better chance for not only capital appreciation, but the dividends were going to be more predictable because of that disparity in quality between the sides. I mean, we could be looking at a semi-final where Atletico Madrid play Leipzig or Marseille or Arsenal play a a Lazio or um, or a Salzburg or whatever. And there's still kind of a gap in quality between some of those teams. Whereas in the Champions League, we could be looking at a semi-final where we have Liverpool, Barcelona, Real Madrid and Bayern Munich and suddenly you can kind of fl- uh, toss a coin with those teams, especially as Liverpool are, are playing extremely well and Klopp has got quite a good record in the Champions League, actually. So talk to me a bit about, again, like what you thought about these two competitions before we've reached this stage and what your views are now. Like, were you more heavily invested in Europa League players or Champions League players or did you have a bit of a mixture? Yeah, I think... I think I've always been a bit of a mixture. I mean, for me, Europa League, like you say, I agree with the golfing class and a lot of the games. Um, but at the same time, at the beginning, there was a lot more of those games. Um, so sometimes, you know, you got the odd Wolfsburg player or whatever that popped up into the dividends because there wasn't just one or two very good teams that, you know, you had some pretty average or decent teams like Lazio, but they were playing some some no-name teams or whatever. So their players were also, you know, they were up there with the Arsenal players as in that golfing class and were quite competitive for it whereas I think the Champions League was you know there was um, the quality was there for the big sides in the group stages and and you know they had you know you had uh, Real Madrid playing Leisure Warsaw or whatever so so the the class was kind of the same I think through the group stages but obviously in the group stages there was only these was it single PB I think most of the days or, or maybe double at times um, 
compared to I think Europa League has always had um, the treble, hasn't it? Because of the number of games I think has been. Or maybe not. I'm not sure actually. It seems I, th- a long I think time you might ago. be right actually. Yeah, I think you might be right actually because in the Europa League you've got it goes into like a last 32, doesn't it? Then like a last 16. So you do have so many more groups. So it does end up being kind of. I think it went like treble day treble day treble day and then when we got to the last 16 it was a double day and then of course quarterfinals uh treble day again so i mean i again for for people who are approaching me and asking for advice i was recommending doing a lot of research on europa league who is likely to start etc uh tooting my own horn slightly i'm I'm glad it's come off Uh, could have gone the other way and they could have lost a lot of money but (laughs) i was kind of trying to guide them towards that area because i just knew that the players were so much cheaper. But then on the other hand, you've got Real Madrid players, for example, like Rafael Varane, who, who maybe outperformed Sergio Ramos in one game and then people are suddenly thinking, wow, should there actually be that bigger price gap? And, you know, Rafael Varane could be, you know, linked in the summer, playing for France, etc., etc. People start making all these assumptions and, and thoughts in their head and then suddenly they think, well, you know, these players could be a lot more worth a lot more. Sorry, we, we've seen that with PK as well and Jordi Alba. So uh, I guess it's worked both ways. But I, I want to speak a bit about the drops from the players that have actually been eliminated from these competitions. And uh, and do you think they've been fair? Do you think we? I, I, do you, do you think you anticipated larger drops or smaller drops? What, what do you think about them? Um, I think it's situational for me for each player. Really, some of them I've I've thought, yeah, that's that's. That was expected. Um, I think we've been quite lucky, actually, up until this point in terms of how predictable the competitions have been. You know, there's been no shock of Real Madrid or, or Barcelona getting beat by, you know, Roma or something. Um, I think the biggest one that's probably hurt people was the other night with Man City. I think, I, I don't know about you, but I did expect City to go through. Um, but, but should should have, just to interrupt you slightly, like, should people have been a bit more cautious with that one because of uh, Liverpool's record against Man City? I did say this. Um I think I mentioned it to you as well that they've only beaten Liverpool once in the last six games and that was a, a massive route at home that which was 5-0 or something and then you've got two wins for Liverpool and two draws I think I, I'm not 100% sure on that one uh, so don't quote me but I think they've got a pretty good record especially Klopp against the City team so should maybe people have been a bit more cautious with that fixture yeah maybe I think you're right um, it was definitely it wasn't as nailed on as uh, you know like Barcelona Roma for example but like I do think that you know, still a lot of the index is still quite reactionary rather than, you know, they don't want to sell someone in case Man City do go through and then their price goes up. So they rather wait. And that's why we see those drops, I think. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think some of them were understandable. Uh, for example, you know, Dybala was quite high. Um, he's dropped to, it wasn't huge, you know, it's still probably, what, was it 30, 40 pence? It's like maybe not even 10%. So it's not as if it's, it's written him off or anything. Um, but some of them have been strange. I think David Silva was a bit of a strange one of all the Man City players to take a beat in. I think, you know, he was only, what, £2.90 or something compared to the likes of Sterling, who's above £4 for some reason. Um, all right, he's English, but, you know, travelling for three group games other than that, I don't know what he's, he's going to do, you know. So, so yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the David Silva one, partly was potentially due to maybe those personal problems for him coming back and I think maybe when those things came out and him dropping out of the Spain squad because of his um, unfortunately his, his child has been having some some health problems I think a lot of people were kind of thinking like oh do I sell on this like is he going to be right and then what usually happens when people are on the fence when there is a event 
that happens it kind of forces their hand right so if you were thinking oh I'm not sure about this player I'm not sure if I should learn him and then they are likely to drop out the Champions League as you said people are very reactionary and they just kind of click that instant sell button as quickly as they can I don't know if you agree with that yeah definitely like you said they just get they sat on the fence and then they get pushed off the fence by something stupid yeah. like that yeah and you mentioned Dybala as as well. I mean, he was linked with Atletico Madrid randomly, I, th- I thought as well, pretty heavily. And then maybe that put a few people off and then they go out and then they sell him a lot. I don't know. Like, that's kind of what was going through my head. The people, the players that saw the massive drops were the players that people were maybe already feeling quite uncomfortable owning, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree, definitely. And the fact that he's on the edge, kind of, of the squad for Argentina as well, I think, you know, it's it's all, like you said, it's added up, it's put them on the fence and it's just kind of kicked them off it. But I think, actually, talking about the drops and the World Cup and stuff, I think we're at the point now where if the teams like Barcelona make it through to the, the semis, I think the semis gets quite close to, you know, you're a month or two away, maybe, from the, uh, from the World Cup. I think we get to that point where I think the drops will probably slow down on those players that are going to be big in the World Cup, if that makes sense. Um, well, I kind of agree with that as well. Sorry to, to cut you off. I think you, you may be right there where if someone is buying someone in, um, I don't know, like February, March for transfer reasons, then why not hold someone that is in the semifinals, finals for the World Cup, if that makes sense? Yeah, definitely. I think that's what we'll see now. I think we're at that stage where there isn't much point in getting rid, especially if you're going to instant sell. You know, there's not much point in doing that to then go and buy them back in in a month's time, really. Um, yeah, I mean, it probably depends on the size of your portfolio as well. If you can, like, if you have that money to just kind of not look at it for a bit, then you know, by all means, I'd, I'd probably recommend, as you said, not not selling. But if you if you maybe have like a hundred quid portfolio and you, you're not going to be touching it for <laughs> for like two months until the World Cup, maybe you want to release some funds. So I think there'll be a good opportunity for traders to when the players do go through to the semi-finals, finals, to be like, okay, I'm going to take this money, this percentage, and then stick it into you know, uh, dark horses for the World Cup or players that could get a big move. And then the guys with the big portfolios can be like, right, that's it. I'm safe until the World Cup ends, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I think I'd definitely agree with that. I think for sure the European competitions are going to be very interesting for us to, to watch as traders. But I do want to move on. And we, we mentioned defenders heavily uh, as we talked about Sergio Ramos, uh, Rafael Varane, Jordi Alba and Gerard PK and Footy Index London or LDN came on a couple episodes back and said something really interesting. And someone, as someone who's like really interested in your stats, I wondered if you could shed any light on this revelation that he that he talked about, where defenders had actually been kind of on par with midfielders when it comes to performance buzz. And I, I wanted to to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, it's not something I've really looked at massively. I've kind of taken the foot off the gas a bit now with um, the stats, just because of just because of um, edge, of course. Yeah, you know, that's that's done a lot of work for me now in terms of scores and stuff. But yeah, I think actually it's probably right. I mean, there's not too many midfielders that you can say are going to certainly you know be competing every game, or and I think it's the same kind of thing with defenders. You know, you've got the odd. Otimendi or Danny Alves, you know, that seems to consistently score well. But other than that, I think, yeah, the midfield's probably quite similar, actually. Yeah, I mean, there are a few things that we could discuss here. For example, I always think that the index 
will eventually react to consistent buzz returns. And if a player say, and I always point to Coutinho as the, the best example to this, when he was winning ridiculous amounts of buzz over the summer, people couldn't ignore that anymore. They had to buy him. And then he went to, I don't know, like 540 or whatever. Uh, and then obviously came down, went back up when the buzz came back, etc. went through those cycles. But the reason he went that high was because of these amazing buzz returns. And if defenders say Yurotamendi is the guys who are at the premium range, if they continue to win buzz, uh, performance buzz, sorry, then people can't ignore that to some extent. Like that's what drives the market. And you do see it over the long term. Those guys who are right at the top, Neymar, Messi, Ronaldo, Kane, you know, those guys are going to return buzz consistently and that's why they're at the top. So I, I don't know if you you think the same way, like defenders who consistently win buzz, you know, they're always going to increase in price eventually. Yeah, definitely. I think score as well is is something that a lot of people um, go off. So if someone's consistently scoring that high, because dividend returns, obviously, sometimes they're a little bit a little bit harsh. You know, if you were holding Lacazette the other night, you're going to be very upset with the Griezmann taking it by <laughs> two points, um, stuff like that. So, yeah, I think you look at the scores as well as just the actual returns. But, no, I agree. I think those players that are consistently scoring high, that are consistently picking up the, the dividend returns, I think you've got to you've got to just swallow it and just get on with it kind of pick some up if, if you have the portfolio size to do that you know like I think it's definitely something that you can't just ignore I mean look at Salah at the moment you know everyone's ignoring the fact that the World Cup's around the corner and he's playing for Egypt and the fact you know the other things that could possibly put his value down quite a bit because they're holding on for they're squeezing out these buzz returns and he keeps returning them and his price has stayed solid, to be fair. So, yeah, I think he... he's been an absolute revelation, hasn't he? I mean, we, we spoke about him at length during the, the trader meet in, in Manchester when we met and I kind of got out the Uber, got into the hotel and I knew it was like 2-0 to Liverpool at that point. And I got, by the time I got into the trader meet, it was like four four five no one he'd scored four goals and you, you were telling me about it and I was like Jesus Christ the man just can't stop scoring uh, so that was that was a funny one for me but um one thing that we did mention in, in the podcast with LDN was like less star players from defenders because they tend unless they score not to get those peak 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 scores um so do you think that's why midfielders are still kind of ranked higher in terms of price on the index yeah I suppose yeah um but again, like you say, if you go back to consistency, then, you know, no midfielder is going to consistently win your star. As much as star is obviously better, you know, it's it's it, the consistency thing is probably what keeps them kind of close. But then maybe, yeah, the edge could come down to the fact that even though if we're not talking about star players in terms of dividends, you get a lot more well-known or star players of the teams that come from midfield. Like look at De Bruyne, for example, you know, his returns have been fantastic yet he continues to stay well above £4 and he's not really threatened to fall below that because of you know who he is and how, how he's kind of known as that being such a good player. So I don't think defenders get that kind of recognition very often. And maybe if they do, so they're very good at tackling, for example, it doesn't go down as, oh, well, they're not that great at scoring points. So it kind of gets dismissed, whereas I don't think it does as much in midfielders, if that makes sense. Yeah, that that totally makes sense. I think a lot of the... You don't have that many defensive talismans, do you? <laughs> Which is uh, unfortunate for you defenders. But I mean, I talked about this as well in, in the last one with LDN about like transfer hype, right? And I kind of thought about it after I said it. And I said, you know, midfielders usually get more transfer high, but of course you've got the massive ones like Pogba. But then again, if you think about like Virgil van Dijk, 
and Laporte, um, Danny Rose, Luke Shaw. Maybe I was a bit quick on the trigger there. What, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think the transfer hype for me, I mean, yeah, I agree, obviously, like the same as you're saying there with the star players, a lot of the media would tend to go around the attackers or the midfielders. But I think a lot of it has to do with money nowadays. And the way the big money is coming in for, you know, for Van Dijk and, and for Laporte and the fact that defenders are no longer the cheap kind of players that you're buying as a as a club you know you're getting 30 40 million easily for players like uh, Davis and Sanchez or whatever you know so I think um, definitely the fact that the money has the biggest influence so for me you know you're looking at Umtiti for example I think he's been up there a couple of times in the buzz you know and just for the the fact of 60 million to United stuff like that so I think we might see um, a little bit more of that with Alderweireld, and for example, um, but yeah, I, I would agree in terms of maybe they don't get as much transfer hype, but I think the big ones maybe will do in the future, just because of the price tags that have been put on these players. Yeah, I'm sure we'll see some defenders move for for crazy money in the summer. But I mean, one more thing to add to this kind of thesis that LDN. I think maybe potentially rightly made that we still are in that first season of PB. So potentially one could argue and I'm being, you know, quite harsh and playing devil's advocate, but it could be too small a data pool. Um, I mean, 30, 40, 50 games might be too small for us to actually, you know, definitively say that this is the way that it is or these defenders are underpriced. I think a lot of people are scared also that goalkeepers might get some sort of boost at some point that I thought about that at some point as well. I don't know if you agree. Um, I mean, I've never bought a defender thinking, oh shit, you know, uh, a goalkeeper could 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 uh, get a few extra points because football index might change the scoring matrix. But, you know, I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think the data pool is something that is definitely relevant. Like we look at it, you know, we watch every game and, and it seems like PB has been here forever now. Like when we had the international break, I'd, I, I felt like I'd never been without you know, performance buzz for that long before, but you know, it's only been one season, like you say. So, I definitely think it could change. I mean, looking at, for example, is it, um, oh, what's he called, um, Napoli, it's a small one. Uh, yeah, Insigne, that, that's, that's the one. Yeah, you know, the way he was, what did he score last season? He was scoring for fun, and everyone looked at his stats and said he's going to be incredible this year, and everyone piled into them at the beginning of the season and it doesn't turn out at the year after so I think that could definitely be a factor um you know this the, the data pool itself could get um could be quite different next year for example I, th- I think you're totally right I think we are going to see some of those cycles where players just don't replicate the same form I mean Dimitri Payet was great at West Ham he's gone over to Marseille and been pretty decent but nothing nothing like his form at, at West Ham so I'm sure we'll see some players move from club to club and not replicate their form or players get to a certain age where they start slowing down and players who just simply don't perform as well I mean Deli Ali's one for example I know he scored a couple goals against Chelsea the other week but he's he's been pretty poor this this season maybe not statistically but in his general play so we'll probably see a few players like that especially you know we talked about Alexis Sanchez a lot on the pod during January time he just you know he scored 30 goals and 15 assists last season this season he's you know pretty much nowhere to be seen and me and you as Arsenal and Man United fans respectively probably have borne the brunt of that yeah. together uh, <laughs> but um i will move on very very swiftly and i want to talk about spreads once more sorry if you you guys are bored of speaking about this but it keeps popping up on on, on my timeline and i thought it it's probably important to talk about this quite consistently because there just does seem such like a again a disparity of opinion about this like 
a lot of people think that this is the right way to go and there's a lot of people think this is just you know harming the index in general and i wanted to ask you do you think this harms the liquidity in general and particularly at the top end where those players are so expensive and they have such massive spreads uh yeah i think and there's lots of different issues with the spread i think at different you know points whether someone's injured or whether someone's just been ipo'd and a lot of the time i disagree with myself on, on certain stuff about it you know you see both sides um but yeah at the top of the index definitely i think the fact that you're paying two percent commission is fair enough um but you know that's going to obviously that's going to get bigger as the prices get bigger. And then when you're actually increasing the spread as well as you get further up, it does become very difficult um, to try and offload those players. And it, it does make them a little bit less attractive sometimes because you've got to look at that player and say, well, if I'm going to buy him, I'm keeping him for a while because if not, you know, I'm, I'm not going to make, I'm not even going to cover spread or commission or whatever. So I, yeah, I think they are a little bit, a little bit rough at the top end. Um, especially with the injuries sometime as well. Um, I agree with the protecting traders to an extent, but I think, you know, for example, Salah the other night uh, went down injured within five seconds. He's got like a 70 pence spread or something. If you let people trade at that point, he probably falls 50, 60p, then he goes back up. They make commission or the traders make money. Um, people that lose money, it's kind of, I don't want to say their own fault, but like it's, they've decided to sell um, at that point, you know, after seeing him go off, um, so uh, yeah, I, big injuries. I understand it, um, but but little things like that, I think it's quite difficult to to justify. I mean, I always find the protection argument very sl- like quite quite strange to some extent because I mean, if you're holding a player for for buzz returns, then surely you're going to be holding until that player returns from injury anyway. If that makes sense, um, a, a lot of people who are kind of investing long term and they, they don't sell. Um, whether prices go up and down. I mean, we had Stamford on uh, the other week and he was talking about the, just these little bumps in the road. If you are someone who does that, then surely the protection argument is kind of nullified by you holding through that massive bump anyway, no matter what the, what the what the injury is. So I always think it's quite strange, especially like the Neymar, Harry Kane ones. They weren't that massive an injury. I could understand if they'd done a Ramsey or Eduardo where they've broken a leg and or a Gibral Ciso with that horrible dislocated ankle or whatever used to happen to him quite consistently. Um, but when they are these kind of small injuries, let people trade because what then happens, you get the money out of the top guys, it goes back into the middle part of the, the index and the lower parts and then the cycle just starts again. I mean, I think traders would benefit because there'd be more opportunities and more money going around. And then I think football index would benefit as well because there'd be more commission for them and that would you know be good for their business model obviously I, I don't know if you agree with any of that yeah like you say I think the injury is definitely if they're long term and I think part that we as traders forget quite a lot about and I I did never really consider until I spoke to uh, Kieran at the trader meetup about football indexes part on that as well because obviously it's not a real stock market we're not selling to somebody else they're the ones that are possibly taking the losses in terms of he's out for six months and his price falls by four pound they don't want to have to keep buying him back and obviously as a business they're only going to do that for so long so i kind of understand it in that respect if it's a long-term injury um but yeah other than that i don't see the need for it like you said because then people sell hoping not hoping to get back in lower um but sometimes you know you do like i have done i did for neymar as soon as he was down i was out and i was out before they even um, luckily i was out before they suspended is and then you know put the big spread on but i expected him to go lower than he did because i expected people to be able to trade but obviously because they weren't no one really sold 
Um, and I eventually, I think I got back in because I was out so quickly. I think I got back in just about the same, you know, price in terms of once you take the IS and the, the commission off. I always say that, like, if you do get out right at the top, even if you buy for 10, 20p more when the injury news comes out and it's not that bad, what you've done is you've left that position. You now have no downside, right? Whereas if you're still in the position, you have that massive downside that if Neymar was out for six months, you'd be looking at losing a hell of a lot of money. Whereas if you completely get out of that position as you did you're then waiting and waiting until that news comes out and then even if you buy for the same amount or a little bit more then you've made the right decision that's what i always think i don't know if you agree with that yeah and that, that's how i've looked at it as well i've made that decision now that if that's what happens if someone does get badly injured that, that that's it I'm, I'm i'm out and if i lose 15 20 quid then then i lose 15 20 quid i'd rather do that than like you say sit there and watch them get drained because if it was that bad i don't think the spread would be enough to deter some people so if he is out for six months he can put a 60p spread on and some people are going to say yeah do you know what i'll take it now before everyone else does so i don't think it would protect you that much anyway to, if it was that severe um to be honest but yeah no it is an interesting issue um there is you know um, and they said, again, at the trader meetup, they said they would never tell us what the maximum spread is because why would any bookmaker ever do that? And that's what sometimes we forget that they are a bookmaker technically. Um, so, yeah, I understand from their kind of point of view. But from a trader perspective, it is, yeah, it's very frustrating. I think whatever they, however they end up like refining this process, they can't they can't satisfy everyone. And I think everyone needs to remember that. We talk about it a lot with uh, potentially you know changing the scoring matrix that it it can't please everyone and and that if they do do that eventually someone is going to be annoyed about it so that there is that aspect of it again um but i do want to speak about like being okay mentally with losing money and and being okay with with a downside and i think it's kind of a skill that that people tend to you know forget about and and it's incredibly hard to develop that thick skin that if you actually look at something an asset or a player in this in this case and they are reducing in value it's so hard mentally to sit there and be like oh god like you know i actually physically have less money now and that's you know that kind of produces this very big fear and panic that ends up that makes people sell to some extent so i think a lot of people need to be okay with potentially losing money and that will in improve like any investment or venture that you go out into the real world or on football index that it would improve it like tenfold really i think and i think that if people are okay with the downside it will make you trade better and i i don't know if you know i know that you're doing a an internship at a bank um soon and i know you're you're kind of looking to get into that financial world so talk to me a bit about this uh, you know the mentality going into a, to a, to a financial market or, or football index or, or a bookies and being okay with that loss. Yeah, I think it definitely it needs to happen at some point. I mean, I think the problem at the moment—it's not so much a problem, but it could become one—is that we've got so many new traders that I've seen people complain or, or start to worry that oh, so and so's down seven pence or why is he falling like that's not falling you know I think some people really need to experience a bit of turmoil a bit of a downturn that we've gone through in the past and then once you've been through that and you see actually the, the whole thing's not falling over you know everything's carried on as normal it, it's you feel a lot better about it as well in terms of you know you're okay okay I, I've been through that loss and maybe I did take a bit of a loss in that period but then 
there's always the opportunity to profit in the next period. It, it continues. And, and like, yeah, I think it's like that in every class, whether you're talking football index or you're talking, um, you know, the real financial markets, they're going through it a little bit now with a big sell-off and a lot of the traders that are in there now were never around during the financial crisis. So they've never seen a crash before. So I think, yeah, it's definitely something um, in any, it's universal to any asset class or any kind of thing where you're going to lose money potentially that if you're okay with it, and you can keep your emotions in check, you can you can probably make a better decision for sure. I think that's something really important, being kind of cold calculated and, and having a, a steady head when all this is going down, when players are falling. Yeah, And, and as you mentioned, I saw a few funny tweets like, oh, Dybala's down 11p, like why, why the drop? It's like, I, you know, that's not really a drop. Uh, 5p for Dybala when he was like 520 or whatever is, is less than a percent. So if you're talking a 2% drop and that scares you, then what I think you need to do is kind of buckle up when that transfer window comes and when players do start falling out of the Champions League and World Cup because there are going to be some bloodbaths and they will eventually come. It's inevitable there's going to be a point where whether it be people needing money for other things in their lives where you know maybe deposits are going to be maybe equal to withdrawals and there's not going to be that much money flying around as we're seeing it now i think we're kind of blessed to to some extent that so much money is flowing into the market whereas at some point people will be taking money out for holidays etc etc and what you find is that the money that's in the market just goes in cycles and that scares a lot of people and they're not okay with it but as soon as you become okay with that as soon as you become okay with seeing red uh you're gonna see some of these decrease lists i tell you what uh (laughs) during the transfer window they're gonna scare the hell out of you i mean last summer we talked about of Maratta, where he was supposedly in uh, in Milan once upon a time, and he went from like I don't know what three pounds to one pound thirty, and then when he had all the United links, he went from one pound thirty all the way to five forty, and then as soon as that went down the toilet, he went down to two fifty or whatever, and then back up to four fifty f- for the Chelsea move. So a lot of people, as you said, who have come on the index recently have never experienced anything like that, and that's going to scare a lot of traders. So what I'd recommend is you do need to you know like make sure that you are okay with being in a very turbulent market and a very volatile market at one point and you know speaking of being comfortable with financial loss we've we've kind of already started talking about this the transfer window is coming up and what are your main tips for for this this period on the index that's going to be coming up maybe may june time yeah i think like you kind of mentioned there i think you need to buckle up a little bit um i think it's going to be different to last year i think um i think it's it's hard to compare as well because obviously uh, this year we've now kind of got the cushion of performance buzz that we didn't have before. So if someone doesn't make the move and they're still at a good team, you know, like Dybala or whatever, they're not going to, you know, fall dramatically, terribly, like like you were saying about Murata did last year because if he didn't and he'd have gone to Italy or whatever, he'd have been useless. Um, at that Or at that point, obviously, before we'd looked at performance. Um, so, yeah, it's, so I think it's going to be different. It's going to be hard to fully put into context until it starts happening um but yeah i'd say tips would be yeah to just if you can get in early like i i've started planning now the money that's coming out of players from the end of the season are going into potential transfers and i don't want to get into this argument about you know if you're in early if the price is going down obviously you are still losing money um but it, it goes back to that um the thing we were just talking about where you're not seeing red maybe you can be a bit more calm and, and collected about you don't feel as bad if the overall trade is is up for example i don't know um but i think 
yeah just doing your research um being on top of it like looking at players now for example who you know for ex- for a fact are going to come up the likes of you know Lamar Mares um you've got the the people that are going as freebies like Bernard and Balotelli for example the kind of guys that you know that you can already say now that they're going to be involved if you can get on them now at least you're making a head start in the transfer window and then if it, but j- just just to piggyback on that some are some of those players already slightly inflated because traders are already looking at it that way just to play devil's advocate sorry yeah no that's fair <laughs> enough uh yeah i agree that a lot of the prices have gone up for that but there's always for me anyway i think there's always somebody else that's going to get on later and and i think that shows with like i don't know if you saw it's completely different but kind of the same context um i put something out on twitter the other day about buying players who are playing in two weeks time on a monday yeah. night yeah and and you know that there's always going to be somebody that buys on the morning before a kickoff, you know, and and maybe that makes them, I don't want to call him a loser, but, you know, maybe they're the ones that are taking the biggest risk. But there's always going to be that person. So the earlier you're in, the more likely, I think anyway, you're going to make profit. And if you can make that profit early, at least on those players, then you can always look back and say, right, I've made this. And if it goes south from, you know, June or whatever, because you start speculating and you get it wrong, then at least you kind of got a bit of, of profit already in the bank. Um, if that makes sense yeah for sure I think it's it's gonna be a great opportunity to profit in my opinion anyway and I wanted to get your thoughts on this as well do do you think it's gonna be do you find it more stressful or do you just think oh this is a great opportunity yeah see for me personally this year is gonna be different because I was away all last summer um so I didn't really get involved in it that much um unfortunately if you know I like the whole Neymar thing I missed a lot of that um so this year i think hopefully i'm going to be around so i'm going to get more involved and it, it is stressful at times um but it's it's one of those where if you get it right more times than you get it wrong you're going to do well so it, it's not that stressful because you can always think right hopefully as long as you back yourself that your information's good or you're not just piggybacking on whatever gets retweeted on twitter god that would be uh <laughs> that, that would be one hell of a mistake but you know those kind of things as long as you're you're happy and you're, you're kind of sure that you're going to get it right more than you're going to get it wrong. It's, it's. I think it's definitely a great opportunity to to make some profit and to to kind of get involved in the market at the time when it is most like a market in terms of fluctuations and stuff, and it's not just relying on dividends and holding for buzz and that kind of stuff. Mm, for sure, and uh, I think like have we seen already with some of these price spikes that this opportunity could be you know an even bigger part of the index from a market standpoint then potentially the world cup i mean we talked about luke shaw um and we've seen some other players kind of fly just because of transfer reason i mean uh, uh de at lazio when when it was announced that he wouldn't be signing a contract flew up about 30p i mean luke shaw flew up like to, to nearly two quid which i thought was crazy <laughs> yeah uh, um so are we seeing with some of those spi- uh, price spikes that it could be that still the biggest thing during the summer even though we do have World Cup. And I guess the downside is protected by PB, as you said, but it still could be massive. Yeah, I, th- I think it will be as well, definitely. I mean, it's gonna, there's going to be a lot to take in over summer. It's going to be quite consuming, I think, and, and for new traders, hopefully not too like overwhelming because there's gonna be, you're going to be balancing the World Cup with trying to get transfers in there with the World Cup ending and then with players like that are involved in transfers possibly falling a little bit, you know, so it's... It's going to be a bit of a balancing act, I think, but 
I definitely think it's a, it's going to be a very good time. It could over possibly, like you say, overtake the World Cup by the time we get to the end of it, at least, because you might call it the dividends. But if you hold that player all the way through summer, you're probably going to lose those dividends in value. Yeah, that's that's so true. I think um, a lot of traders are going to have to prepare for this kind of, as you said, balancing act. Like you're going to have some players that are, that have transfer value and they're at the World Cup, and you're going to have some players that only a World Cup value and some that are only there for transfer reasons. So it's going to be a balancing act, as you said. But I want to close this podcast out in a, a little you know 15 20 minute segment we're just going to talk about cristiano ronaldo i think oh god how long <laughs> and, we got uh, uh, i think yeah 15 20 minutes on, on <laughs> i mean I, i'm personally speaking i think he, him and messi are the best two players of all time uh, i think that um if, if you think the maradona's the pele's i think football was a, a lot easier back then but i mean that goal that he scored was absolutely sensational yeah, I I I thought I was gonna cry. Honestly, <laughs> it was, it was... well. I mean, I, I I was in my I was in my living room, and I, and I still live at home with my parents. So, my my dad walked in, and and he and he saw me on 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 the floor in my living room, my hands on my head, and he said, "What what's got what's happened? What's wrong?" And I said, "I've just seen the most ridiculous thing, a la um, <laughs> a la, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic." And he just said, "Okay, let's let's have a look." And every time you watched it again, it was ridiculous really that goal was and you know what like it's so great for the index because you had a player that was underperforming greatly and a lot of people were saying he's finished etc etc in the media and on index twitter you know he's too old etc i mean age or not you look at how high he jumped and the athleticism you need to do that this man is is a monster really isn't he he's one of a kind physically yeah definitely i mean for me it just kind of popped off or represented his whole like 2018 so far that's the way he's been going like you said you know he didn't have a great start his price kind of held at what it was i can't remember what it was around that time you know maybe four or five like about 550 yeah 550 something like he that he held that for a while and people says oh it's not worth that because you know he doesn't pick up the points that messi does or whatever for passing and dribbling you know i know you don't get points for dribbling but you know you know what i mean um and and then all of a sudden you know he's come out and since beating P it's the first leg for me the first leg against PSG that just the hunger came back and and since then I was looking at him the other day and he's I think he's hit um 170 I know 160 sorry he's hit 160 eight times since the turn of the year and he'd hit it three times before that you know in, in terms of PB scores and the dividends that he's picked up like I put something out um yesterday I think he's the highest dividends um earner this this year you know since the year started i think it's one pound 17 is returned since january 1st um and then after, after that you know the only other player salas now i think one or six after last night uh messi one pound so like you know it's it's incredible and i think that goal just kind of emphasized it and just you know it just put the uh, icing and the cherry on top of, of the whole like year for him so far Mm, I, I think it, it was kind of that, oh, right, it's 2018 now. I need to kind of protect my Ballon d'Or crown. And he, he just kind of amped it up. And I think it, it's crazy to think that people were completely writing him off about PB. And I think a lot of people did this with players like Alexis Sanchez and and Eden Hazard and, and a lot of um, traditional number nines just because, oh, well, they need two or three goals to, to win PB. Well, I mean, they're strikers. That's what they do, right? They do score goals. <laughs> like I always found that argument funny because it's like, oh, well, I'd rather hold the guy who scores one goal but only scores 15 goals a season rather than the guy who scores 30, 35 goals a season who could score 
two goals in a game quite consistently. Uh, I always found that quite funny because probably the, the probability of both of those things individually happening are, are quite equal. And I think a lot of people wrote off um, Ronaldo quite a lot, as we both discussed, and he's just turned it around ridiculously with those goals. He's now, as you said, returned more PB than anyone. And I think... Um, I think a few traders might have been scared that he was kind of winding down his career and maybe looking at MLS and China move. I don't think that's there's going to be any rumours of that in the summer anymore. Yeah, definitely. Like you say, I think the Ballon d'Or argument, I think that's very good actually. Yeah, but he just turned it around as soon as the year started. As soon as he played PSG, all of a sudden now, I, I can imagine the only thing on his mind is winning the Champions League three times in a row. You know, I've been the only person to ever, well, not you know, the only player of that calibre to ever do that. You know, it makes... Comparing to Messi, he gets that argument again. Like, so yeah, I think I just think the way that he's been has been, yeah, nothing short of uh, incredible, really. What What would you say to people who are holding him now and maybe feeling a bit a bit worried about his age? I mean, we talked about it. He's going to be thirty four quite soon. This might be the last time we see him. I mean, I think we'll probably see him at two more international tournaments just because he is a physical specimen like he's never really had a long-term injury um i know that he's, he's never drank alcohol in his life etc etc does like whatever 2000 push-ups a day or some stupid <laughs> some stupid number like that um clearly keeps himself extremely well do, 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 if you were a trader and you, you own him would you would you be worried about his age no i don't i don't think that would be you know, unless you're a three-year old guy, I don't think that would be the first thing coming to to my mind if I was looking at potential worries with him. Like, um, I don't think there's a lot. I mean, the price is high, obviously. And when they get to that height, it's like, well, you know, something could happen. Um, but I think he's in the same kind of category as as Messi in terms of the fact that he is so good that even if he does fall a little bit over summer, because I don't imagine Portugal will do that fantastic um, in the World Cup. I think they're in the same group as Spain, are they? So they'll. They'll go through second probably, um, you know, and then maybe go out after that, whoever they play. I think, I can't remember if I w- looked at it and it was Argentina or something. Um, Potentially, but I mean, I thought they'd do rubbish in the Euros as well. That's so. true, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, like you say, you can never predict everything. Um, but at that price, maybe people, you know, start wanting to look at selling with him going out. But I think with those calibre players, him, Neymar, Messi, if we do see a small drop I think it won't be long before people start preparing for the next season like you said there's always someone that wants to get in earlier than you so as soon as that drop comes I imagine there'll be people trying to get back on him for the next season Um, because I can't see next season being too much different to this one you know he's converted himself into this this new role of being a centre forward kind of thing in terms of he doesn't do all the running and stuff and the stepovers or whatever or anything fancy he just puts the ball in the net consistently so I think I think he can quite easily carry on doing that next season. So no, I wouldn't be too worried, and definitely age wouldn't be my biggest worry. Um, I also think he might have the usual transfer um, buzz kind of thing coming in over summer. Not that I expect him to come back to Man United, but you know they can't resist talking about it, can they? So yeah, there's always those silly rumors, aren't there? Like uh, I mean, he usually gets himself a new contract every every summer by one of his <laughs> by uh, Mendez's agent like linking him back to, to United or linking him to, to PSG or whatever so we'll see we'll see what happens on that on that note but I think also there's there's something to, to think about with Real Madrid and and their current squad that they're, they're quite aging and, and Ronaldo is by far their top scorer kind of similarly to, to Barcelona I mean they've got Suarez who's kind of ramping up a bit now they don't have an Amar anymore as that that tertiary option and I think Ronaldo is the guy for Real Madrid he is the man that scores 
most of their goals. I think I saw some silly stat where no one else has scored um, twenty more than 20 goals since like the beginning of last season in the league or something stupid like that. I think Benzema, Isco, uh, Bale are kind of close by to him. So I think like... If Real Madrid did go out and like buy loads of players, like not loads of players, but they bought a you know a goalkeeper of centre mid and a and a left winger, spent two hundred million, bought up you know a Hazard, a, I don't know what centre midfielder they've been linked with Allison and De Gea always, they improve their already amazing team and his service gets even better. So one could argue that next season. Instead of you know a, a kind of a wailing Benzema and a very injury prone Bale at his side, he could be having a, a Hazard and Isco combo, or if Isco leaves, a, a Hazard and a someone else combo. Like he could actually have better service next next season, <laughs> which is weird to think, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, as providing they don't bring in somebody that's going to start taking away limelight from him rather than helping assist him, which I don't think they would. I, you know. They supposedly, no. <laughs> supposedly, he supposedly has so much power within the club and stuff. I don't think he'd let that happen. Um, yeah, so no, providing that it is just around him that gets improved. Yeah, for sure. I think um, they come back and they try to win the league. You know, they've been a little bit embarrassed this season, to be fair. You know, they started the season so well by beating Barcelona. I think it was in whatever their version of the um, Community Shield is. They battered Super, them. The Super Cup. Yeah, 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 when he got sent off and, and um, they looked like, oh, it's going to be easy. They're going to walk it this year. And then since then, obviously, they've fallen quite dramatically. But yeah, I, th- I think they carry on in that way and they get their hunger back for the league. I think hopefully, if he's firing, he'll definitely be in for at least the same as this year, if not, like you say, potential to be better with those around him. Yeah, I think it all depends what they do in the Champions League. If they win that, then maybe the the board will be a bit happier. But if they don't win anything, then you're looking at a spending spree from Real Madrid, I think. And I think, like, with Ronaldo... I think to play devil's advocate quite heavily on this end, like with Zlatan, he was 35 and he'd never, ever had an injury in his life. And again, another guy who was an elite athlete, like black belt taekwondo, incredibly flexible, like built like a tank, uh, maybe not in terms of like muscle mass, but his core was was ridiculous because of the, the martial arts and stuff. Similarly to, to Ronaldo, who's, who's an elite athlete, you do have to, to throw caution to the wind because anything can happen as you can as you said and it's really hard to predict these things and you you never know when an injury is around the corner even to the to those guys who are the least injury prone yeah i mean it's kind of the same for you know i agree with the devil's advocate thing but you can you know that argument like you say is is valid for any player really messy but look Mm, at neymar at the moment um which kind of maybe was a little bit um, reassuring in terms of him not falling hugely but again that you get back into the spread argument and we'll we'll be here all day but, but no, I, I agree of course there's always that downside and, and when prices get that high you have to start questioning at what point does downside outdo upside um, but with the dividend returns and stuff you know that, they, that they're seeing at the moment and I imagine we'll carry on to see over next season unless it happens like you say you can't really not own somebody just because there's a potential chance that one day they get injured horrifically you know so no i, I agree that that you could definitely see a fall for something like that but i wouldn't be losing sleep over it kind of thing well i think you, you've said a lot of re- reassuring things uh, for, for those ronaldo holders those that are still holding and and of course we've talked about some of the potential downside as well but i think we'll, we'll wrap it up there liam and 
are you going to be doing a lot more, you know, stat stuff and, and blog stuff regarding the World Cup and the transfer window? Uh, yeah, I've got some stuff coming up. Um, so at the minute, we're just in the process with finalising it with Football Index to release um, some kind of Football Index guide, a little bit like you've done. Obviously, I'm not stealing your name, of course. I'll call it something else. <laughs> I wouldn't want to get into some kind of um, law issue. Um, some war. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's something to go on the website so that when, um, you know, traders, new traders come on straight away, obviously seeing your video is fantastic and hopefully they'll find that and they get the insight from that um, but this is just something as well to, to help bridge the gap kind of between um, just the game rules and actually how the website and the platform works um, so that's basically done it just needs finishing off and uh, like finalizing really and, and sorting out at their end um, I've got a couple of things coming up for the transfer window so couple of articles one on free transfers uh, you know the players out of contract etc and then another one coming up on those um that are possibly getting relegated that could be looking for a transfer um you know the likes nice. of bertrand and stuff that we've mentioned so yeah there's quite a bit coming up hopefully in the next few weeks um so plenty for people to have a look at yeah good stuff man and, and definitely check out um arbel who was on last week who, who did write a few articles about relegated players or potentially relegated players in the Bundesliga and I think yeah great job man with the, the the beginner's guide stuff that hopefully Football Index will implement properly and it will be part of their onboarding process and uh, hopefully that will help people kind of understand things and I'll, I'll definitely kind of link that stuff in the um, in the description to, to my, my own beginner's guide videos as soon as that's out because I think it's really important that I always do say and it's kind of cliched it's not really about how how quickly you make the money on this platform it says it's about how quickly you learn and hopefully your content will help people do that and hopefully mine will, will as well but I think thanks for, so much for coming on again mate and uh, tell us where people can find out more about you and where they can follow you etc if they, they don't do already uh, yes so I am on Twitter at football index LM uh, the name is football index buzz um, I've also I think I've now got a section be added onto the football index website somewhere under like authors or something stupid if you're really that interested in reading my stuff um, so there's plenty out there I'm always open on Twitter of course like like you just said we all like to try and help as many people as we can to for the longevity of the whole thing I suppose um, and yes yeah, so reach out to me if anyone's got any questions or whatever lovely and th- thanks all, to all the listeners hopefully this makes your monday morning commute a bit better or you know walking the dog i, I did <laughs> i did speak to someone uh, at the trader meet who who said that they, they listen to to the pod every monday walking their dog in the morning which was which was really fun uh, <laughs> uh yeah that that was uh, really good anyone i spoke to at the trader meet feel free to to kind of contact me or dm me and kind of just say hey i was this person because it was really hard to, to remember whose twitter handle was was who who uh, in, in real life if that makes sense and, and thanks again for uh, for everyone who's shared and and liked and watched that beginner's guide video it's, it's already hit a thousand views which is awesome and uh i hopefully it will help a lot of people in the future hopefully it's helped some people already and if you guys have enjoyed this please do leave a review really helps rank the podcast and, and share it with your mates who are on football index and kind of maybe looking for some insight and uh, yeah, obviously if you don't subscribe already please do subscribe to the podcast and subscribe to the youtube channel as well that's getting a bit more traction of course with that video and hopefully have a few like bank builder episodes coming up and, and maybe a few more series that i'm gonna kind of try and think about over summer and implement into the new season maybe but thanks everyone for listening